your Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Panthers and the Locked On Ottawa Senators podcast. Th- throughout the preseason here on the Locked On Podcast Network, some of our local experts will be getting together with their division foes to talk about the upcoming season, training camp expectations. And here with me to join me on this crossover edition, one half of the Locked On uh, Senators podcast is Ross Levitin. Ross, how are you doing, buddy? I'm fantastic, man. Now preseason's back. It certainly feels like hockey's in the air, so I can't find me complaining. Absolutely. Same here, and I and I can't uh, complain uh, neither. Uh, I'm mostly looking forward to uh, hockey, mostly because uh, my football team is not doing really great right now. Uh, so it's uh, it's a uh, it's not it's not looking so good on that side. So I got I got this to look forward to, especially with the Panthers uh, being a contender, at least on paper, but. I want to spend this uh, first segment talking about the Ottawa Senators on what, what's been going on in the last uh, few years going into this season. So it, it, it's been uh, it's been a few rebuilding years with uh, an appearance in the Eastern Conference final in 2017, losing the seven games in against the Pittsburgh Penguins. They 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 sell they sell um, they sell a lot of contracts like Eric Carl Carlson. But you got a lot of. Uh, draft assets and result of that mark stone jg pajot i want to i want to talk about the the what what you think about the the returns of those contracts for uh for carlson you got timmy stutzla you also got uh josh norris in in that trade and for uh mark stone you also got a first round pick and eric brandstrom in that one what what, what's your what's your uh impression on the on those trades of what you what you gotten so far you want my day one of the trade reaction or now looking back with hindsight 2020 because they, they certainly both? have one. Yeah. So right away when Eric Carlson got traded, that's probably the most long and drawn out trade in well franchise history outside of maybe Danny Heatley, who spent a, a better part of a year complaining about wanting to get out and then rejecting a trade. That's a story for another day. But when it came to Eric Carlson, uh, that guy was the heartbeat of the team in Ottawa. Everyone absolutely adored him. There, there was a great argument to be made in the spring of 2017 that he was the third best player on the planet behind McDavid and Sidney Crosby. He was a complete freak in, in the postseason there. Point per game guy, led Ottawa in scoring in four straight seasons. I get that. As a defenseman to lead a team in scoring, had 82 points in 82 games. Like This was a generational type defenseman and a guy who was beloved, wore the C and really took the C from, and yeah, there's a year of Jason Spets in between, but Daniel Alfredson was the longtime captain, biggest legend in Ottawa Senators history. And he's from the same hometown as Carlson. He, he went up on stage and drafted Carlson in Ottawa in 2008. So there's that moment where they were always connected. So it went from Alfie to Carl. And then all of a sudden you look around after they made that run and it was double overtime in game seven of the Eastern conference final. You can't get that much closer to the Stanley cup final than that. And um, the next year, the wheels fell off. They made a trade they thought would take them to the next level. They got Matt Duchesne, gave up a whole lot to get him. They go over to Sweden and play Matt Duchesne's old team in the first games. They win one, lose one. And 
then you're sorry. They won both in Sweden. They come back. They're feeling good about themselves. And then they went on to lose, I believe 28 out of the next 30 games and the wheels fell off off ice scandals. Well, you know, Hoffman ends up in Florida because of that. And it, it was just such a sour time to be a Sens fan. And, and there was so much that you could have picked apart of why and how everything went wrong. So change was needed uh, long story short. And, they ended up trading him to uh, to San Jose. And when it came back, you're like, okay, this is a team that's coming off a pretty good push. They still have veterans, Pavelski, Thornton, Marlowe. They're all still there. Brent Burns is playing really well. Val- Vlasic, like this was a team that was destined to continue success. And they did. They made it to the conference final that next season with Carlson. But as luck may have it, and similar to Ottawa giving up that, that lottery pick for Matthew Shane, San Jose goes in the tank the next year. And now looking back, you're seeing that as, yeah, Josh North, very nice piece. He's going to be a good player and you'll get to see him. He's a rookie last year. So you'll get to see him if you're a Florida Panthers fan a lot more now in the division this upcoming season, but he's a nice piece, no doubt. But when you turn it into a third overall pick, Timmy superstar, we call him uh, on our show. That, that's a guy who's going to bring fans to the stadium. And you needed that when you got rid of a talent like Eric Carlson. Now for, for Mark Stone, it's a different story. He's the one that, that, that got away. It'll always sting. He's uh, he's the heartbeat of the team. You see it in Vegas. He was, he was destined to be the next captain of the Ottawa Senators. Brady Kachuk lived with him as a rookie. So you're like, okay, they've got this chemistry. Stone's taking him under his wing. And I, it was just such a great kind of projection to have those two lead the rebuild and then obviously you make the trade. And now I think with Eric Branstrom, a little too much pressure on him to live up to the hype of, oh, he's who we got for Mark Stone. They didn't even get a first round pick on top of that. It was a second rounder. Ends up being the second last pick in the second round, although that kid's a fan favorite, Igor Sokolov. That being said, Eric Branstrom's the type of player where the coach needs to want to play him. He's a smaller defenseman with offensive ability, but the coach in Ottawa, he was a hard-nosed defenseman himself. He likes that big, burly defenseman. Hell, Josh Brown's one of his favorite former Florida Panthers. So that just tells you kind of the prototype that he likes in a defenseman. And Branstrom just isn't it. So we'll see. He played well down the stretch last year. But with all this change, you're looking. And if you're an Ottawa Senators fan, the excitement right now is surrounding these young players all heading into their prime. And what can they do with it? Now, the cynics will say, once they're all due for money, they'll move on and Ottawa's the best farm team in the NHL and all that. But they do draft exceptionally well. And you saw it in Belleville. This team was destined to go on a Calder Cup run until COVID swept it out from underneath them. And their entire top line last year, and maybe the Panthers have similar a few years ago when Barkov and Huberto were still in the top line, but still young and upcoming. Their average age of their top line last year was 22 years old. Like that is unheard of at the NHL level. So you're just seeing the growth of these young players and and they need better goaltending at the end of the day. Yeah. Originally when uh, Matt Murray was traded to uh, Ottawa from Pittsburgh, I I liked it from a leadership perspective, but Matt Murray is just not, in my opinion, the goalie that he he used to be from. Yeah, the, the from contract Brooklyn. makes it tough, right? Because that that adds that extra layer of expectation, signing for like $28 million over four years. And and he played well down the stretch. They switched goalie coaches halfway through, and he, he finished the year strong, but book bookended by a couple injuries too. So he, he wasn't healthy enough to make an impact at the end, but oh my God, the whole team was so bad at the start of last year, man. They, they won two out of their first 15 games. And at that point, you're like, you're already out of the playoff push. So even though after the trade deadline, they were the second best team in the NHL, they won 10 of their last 13 games. 
going up against, you know, and that's why it was so great for Josh Norris to be in this North division. One night he's playing against Connor McDavid head to head. Next night it's Austin Matthews. Next night it's Mark Shifley. Next night it's Bo Horvat. And then Philip Deneau in Montreal, a great defensive center. So there was no nights where you're not going up against the best of the best centermen in the NHL. So I think that that, that was a huge learning process. I think that we're all kind of sick of those same teams by the end of it from a fan's point of view. But I, I'm ecstatic to see back to the normal division and there's going to be a few uh, cupcake games, I think, with Buffalo back in the division. So that's Ottawa, like we're, we're big into bet online. Obviously, shout out, sponsor the show. Um, Ottawa was an underdog in 55 out of 56 games last year. Wow. So that just tells you what the odds makers thought about this team. And with how the North Division ended up uh, being with the standings, there was less separation based on based on the division versus the other ones, there was more separation. So that, that just tells me that everyone was beating up on each other. Well, and Montreal finished fourth in the division. They, they go to the Stanley cup final. Yeah. And that there's a lot of times where the senators would beat up on even the top teams, like the Toronto Maple Leafs a lot of the time. Well, that's just how it works. Ottawa always beats Toronto. (laughs) That's just how it works. So so, uh, with, with, with that, um, you you say you talked about cupcake games with uh Buffalo. You talked about uh, maybe Detroit too. May, maybe, <laughs> may, maybe. So I'm not really high on Detroit. I think they're still uh, uh a year or two away. But yeah. I want to talk about I want to talk about the Brady Kachuk uh extension. What's going on there? Uh, Matthew Kachuk uh spoke about it a few a few like a week or two ago. But I don't I don't believe uh I don't believe the league is going to come down on Matthew Kachuk because it's a family member talking about uh his brother's uh, situation. Um what what are your thoughts on the on the situation? Do you think it gets solved before the season starts? I mean last time I checked they're under the cap floor. So what what what's it going to take to sign them? What's what what are you thinking as far as numbers? So the numbers don't seem to be the issue. The issue is, and I mentioned Danny Heatley earlier, the, the whole saga when he was traded, he had trade protection and he had a signing bonus. And Ottawa had a trade ready to get him to Edmonton. And the, the return would have been pretty nice. But he nixed the trade. And because he waited, Ottawa owed him a $4 million signing bonus. And he collected that. So I think the owner's a little gun shy to give signing bonuses. You don't see him handed out often. Um, he's a guy who doesn't have a secondary business to, to fund this team. So it's a little bit difficult for him. And that being said, trade protection should be an easy one, but those seem to be the two hangups on, on the contract. Now, if you're a sense fan, you're looking for the the bright side of this. The two sides have barely talked about a short-term deal. Brady wants to be here. If he signs long-term six, seven, or eight years, I would expect him no question to be the next captain of the Ottawa Senators. He brings it every single night. He'll fight the toughest guys. How many 21-year-olds would fight Shea Weber in, in the National Hockey League? Not many. He's already fought Blake Wheeler, P.K. Subban. Like he, does, he picks his spots, and he's the toughest kid on the team. And like I said, he just turned 22 last week. So you have so much value there for the future captain that – you just have to get this deal done. Like you cannot allow it to drag on into the season. When they drafted him, he was the first piece of the rebuild, right? So Ottawa gave up that first round pick to Colorado, but it was lottery protected. So they knew they were going to be bad the next year as well. They had the opportunity to give Colorado the pick that ended up being Brady Kachuk, you know, just get it over with and then start the rebuild. 
No, they held on to that pick and ended up giving up the pick next year. And they finished last that next year. But the, the lottery balls were kind to them. They Their draft slot fell from first to fourth. So they ultimately give up fourth overall. The same pick they take, Brady Kachuk. So yeah, that's just the kind of player you win with. And the key is you got to lock him up now because if if he can get playoff games under his belt, that's what he's built for. That's the type of player that you win with. And, and the Ottawa Senators know that. The fan base knows that. But... The Kachucks know that too. So there's no harm. They should be negotiating tough. They know that the the way that this this organization will be viewed is in their control. If they let Brady Kachuk get away, fold the franchise, honestly. Like there's no reason to be here. Be an AHL team and just give your players away after you develop them. You need to show, and they did earlier this summer. Drake Batherson's a great player as well. He He locked up six years. They got Colin White signed to six years, uh, two years earlier, although that's kind of an up and down contract. And Thomas Shabbat signed for eight by eight. But to answer your question, all of the rumors are saying that they're close on term, they're close on money, but it's how that money is structured to best help the player. Signing bonuses, trade protection, that's what the player wants right now. And I don't think he's getting it. I would expect if they do agree to a long-term deal, it'll come in at eight years, somewhere between eight and 8.5 million. Okay. And Kachuk kind of reminds me of like where Barkov was a few years ago, a young and upcoming player, someone who's ready to like take that next step for the playoffs. For sure. Uh, and Barkov had the help of uh, Yarmir Yager um, back in 2016, bringing in that veteran. Um, and as far as uh, bringing that veteran in either next year or via trade, if the, if the Ottawa Senators are in it for at the trade deadline, which they just announced the trade deadline yesterday. Yesterday, um, I believe it's uh, March 28th that it will be. Um, who, who are you looking for as someone who could be uh, brought into the mix for the Ottawa Senators if they are competitive down the stretch? Right. Uh, it's an interesting question. I think that with Ottawa, eventually they're going to have to more so make a quantity for quality trade. They have so many draft picks. Like in 2020, they made 10 picks. This year, seven uh, the year before eight, like the, they're stocking up. And with all those trades, right. You mentioned like you give away one highly paid player, or it seems to be with Carlson stone, Pajot, those guys, they're getting multiple assets in return. So at some point you have to turn those multiple assets back into a quality player. Now, where it comes to veteran leadership on the team right now, a guy to watch for and, and all you fantasy junkies, especially in South Florida guy, who's probably not too well-known is Connor Brown. This guy led the Sens in scoring last year, set a franchise record with a goal in eight straight games. He kills penalties with the best of them. I believe he had three shorthanded goals last year, and he just came off an unbelievable experience with Canada at the World Championships where he scored the gold medal clinching, or sorry, we call it the given gold because it was both Ottawa Senators, actually, Nick Paul and Connor Brown, who had to tic-tac-toe to to finish off that championship. And he got to wear a letter with Team Canada. And just that brings so much confidence to a player. 26 years old, he's in his prime. He'll probably wear a letter with Ottawa. And he's a guy who I expect to have a big year. Um, meanwhile, you mentioned guys you bring in that that's a tough question just because it's, it all depends on which teams are in it, which teams aren't right. They, if a team's in it, and I'd say a player on that, them, there's no way they're going to move them. But 
Hey, the, the Panthers certainly did that well with uh, bringing in Hornquist at the right time. I, I really like that as, as a leader type player. So I understand what you're saying. It, it's hard for me to give you a name now. The Sens have really tried to, to add character players, um, maybe not like vets and legends, like you said, in Yermer Yager, but a, a guy like Austin Watson was brought in for that. He's a guy who's always going to be on your fourth line, but he's going to be a leader in the locker room. He's going to block shots with his face like he did last year and miss some time. So he, they, they have a bunch of warriors on their team. And I think Brady looks up to them, but they look up to him too. Like this guy just has a presence about him, right? Like his dad's Keith Kachuk, right? He grew up around the game. And unlike Matthew, who's a bit more of a, a shift disturber as we'll call him, but with Brady, he's all business. This guy's like 6'5", 230. Like he's, he's just a complete leader out there and guys go into battle with him. So uh, I think that he he is that veteran guy at 22 years old. And it's crazy to say that, but he's the leader of this team. And he's already leading guys like Tim Stutzla come along, who had a good rookie year, but he's poised for a breakout season. They all live together. It was Josh Norris, Brady Kachuk, and Tim Stutzla. And, you know, th- that camaraderie, I think, we had Alex Formanton on Locked On Senators last week. He's another underrated player that you could watch for this year. One of the fastest players in the league. And he told us, he's like, we're kind of like a junior team in the sense that we're all going out together after the after practice. And it, it really does help a team come together. And a team that, you know, a lot of people have way out of the postseason. Let's see if uh, if that camaraderie off ice can translate to on, on ice success. Yeah, and... I'm going to ask a one part question uh, here uh, and then uh, leave the second part of it for the last uh, segment. Um, I want to talk about the Pierre's in the front office. So for sure, I want to first talk about Pierre Maguire. The the first one, uh, of course, with NBC SN in the U S no longer being a, being a thing. So Pierre Maguire needed some type of employment in the hockey community. Uh, decides to go to Ottawa as the VP of player development. There was rumors about whether he was going to be the next GM of the Ottawa Senators with Pierre Dorian having, I believe, a year or two left on his contract at the time. Dorian signs an extension. And with McGuire, there was a lot of hot takes about whether um, his approach to analytics on whether he's the right guy for the job of VP of player development. Uh, What what was your, and I've seen you, I've seen you guys on Twitter actually hyping up the the signing for uh, Pierre Maguire as far as the VP of player development. So explain more about why, why you think this is a great addition for the front office. Yeah, well, obviously people like to clown on him and that's fair. You know, the encyclopedic brain he has for telling you where a guy played his minor hockey and and this, that, and the other thing. But is there a person in the National Hockey League or around it with a deeper Rolodex of contacts than Pierre Maguire? Probably not. Like this guy is just always talking to scouts, coaches at all levels. And I think that with the Ottawa Senators, their front office is as thin as anyone else. Like outside of their scouts, they have a GM, an assistant GM, and that that's about it. So to bring in anyone was a step in the right direction to bring in a guy who has that database of, of contacts. And yeah, he, he chirps analytics. So what people will get on him for that. I think that he, I love the, the boots on the ground and man, I was at the game on Sunday night. You see the game differently when you're there rather than just looking at numbers on a sheet of paper. So I I'm probably closer to team. I, I respect analytics and the numbers behind it. I look into them, but I'm a team I test guy. Like I, I want to go see how, like, do you have that it factor? And I don't think that you can, you can measure heart at that sense. So that's something that Pierre Maguire is huge on. And that's a big reason why he gets clowned on the way he does, but man, 
I think that he's motivated and something interesting. And you mentioned he does those, the U S national uh, games. He's been on Ottawa sports radio from 2001, every single morning, Monday to Friday at 8. AM. He, he was like a, a guaranteed hit. So if you're a fan, you know exactly what he thinks of all these players that are on the team. So I think that that's pretty interesting because you go back and you're like, Oh, Colin white, like, should they trade him? It's like, no, Pierre McGuire loves him. He, they're going to give him an opportunity and things like that. So I think it's kind of cool that now we have the insight into knowing what this guy's thoughts are before when he was an unbiased observer. So I think we would have been hyped up on anybody to be fair. Like th- this organization is just so, so thin it's bare bones. So just to add an extra voice, an extra perspective, an extra guy who knows people around the league to, okay, maybe he has a, maybe Dorian has a trade offer on the table. Pierre Maguire is the kind of guy who could find out who, what other teams are offering for the same player, right? He's just going to be a good guy for Intel to bounce ideas off of. And he's going to have his fingers in, in every pod in the amateur scouting, pro scouting, player personnel, and all those different aspects of the game. So I think that his more appropriate title, he's pretty much an assistant GM. They're just giving him this senior vice president of player development. It's a mouthful, no doubt, but Hey, I, I'm going to, hold my um, hold any sort of critique to it until they make some moves. Like they got rid of Logan Brown. They add Zach Sanford. That's kind of a move, right? We'll see how Sanford does. He gets them closer to the cap floor because how's that for a negotiating tactic for Brady Kachuk? They're like, if you don't sign me by day one of camp, you guys are under the cap floor. You're going to get a huge fine. That's going to be just pay me instead of the fine. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, from that standpoint, that was more of just a money move and give a guy an opportunity in the last year of his contract and Zach Sanford. And clearly Logan Brown wasn't working out for Ottawa, but um, yeah, with Pierre Maguire, like, let's see, I'm fired up, man. The guys, he's great at talking on, on radio and, and on TV. And I hope that, He's the kind of guy who, with his communications background, will get more opportunity to talk to the press than Pierre Dorian because Dorian, he, he loves his hometown. He's an Ottawa guy, but he is not very good at, at communicating his message to the fans. Like he called when he traded Mark Stone, he called it the his, he used to more so talking about Branstrom, but they asked him about the day that Mark Stone was traded. And that was like probably the lowest of low points in the rebuild because everyone knew Carlson was getting traded. Everyone knew Duchesne was getting traded. Ryan Dezingle as well. But Mark Stone, everyone wanted to hold on to, including the team. They tried to negotiate. They couldn't get him signed. So that day, he said it was his proudest day as general manager. And he got absolutely roasted in, in the media for that. Yeah, and now that you have a guy like Pierre Maguire and someone who will tell him that, Hey, don't say this, say it like this instead. That's going to help from from a PR perspective for sure. And so I want to get to uh, Pierre Dorian before a few weeks ago, he talked about how the rebuild is over uh, for the Ottawa senators. And a lot of people will clown about it on social media um, and I want, I want to ask you, um, but the expectations, like I said, we'll leave that in the third segment. Um, um, but is this rebuild over for the Ottawa Senators, in your opinion? Well, in terms of getting rid of the veteran type high money guys, I mean, there's nobody else, right? Pajot was kind of the last one of that. The, the pieces are in play. Like they had three first round picks in 2020. They had two first round picks in 2018. And then a couple other high picks, if you include this year, Tyler Boucher, who also was unlocked on Senators last week. But the, so the pieces are there. They're just really young. So 
in terms of, I think the wording, again, Pierre Dorian, right? He says something and all of a sudden everyone takes a different way because he's just, he's not the best at communicating what his message is. I think the message there was that we're going to the next step. The teardown is over, but that's the easy part. So now how can the kids who are here make themselves into full-time bonafide NHLers to compete? So if the team thinks they're making the playoffs this year, that's a stretch, but I'll save the rest for the expectations, but let's put it this way. The, the re is over, but the building is just beginning. That's a good way of looking at it. And if, if, if like, this kind of reminds me of the Panthers and we're going to get to that in the next segment where they're, except uh, the Panthers had expectations to make the playoffs. They're finishing around, they were finishing around the 10 to 15 uh, part of the draft in between uh, 2016 and uh, 20, 2020. Um, and it, it, like when, when you're building it from the ground up, then that's encouraging. But when you're trying to make the playoffs and then you end there, it's kind of hard. But in the next segment, we're going to talk, um, Ross is going to ask me questions on the Florida Panthers and the state of the cats. So keep it right here on locked on Panthers and locked on senators. Does this sound familiar? You got one device that lets you catch all the games live. Another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone and you got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff? Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible devices required. Content varies by package. Did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There's something for everyone. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you are missing out. There's coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. You want to know what my flavor, favorite flavor is of these selections? It's the cookies and cream. What? Cookies and cream, anything, ice cream, built bars, any anything cookies and cream related. Why not? It's a very obvious choice. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box and you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Check out the macros. 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories ranging from 130 to 180. 4 to 5 grams of sugar and only 4 to 5 net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. There's also the grasshopper cookie flavor which is like the classic Thin Mint cookie. All the flavor without all the sugar with 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only five grams of sugar. Order today and you'll get the grasshopper cookie or the raspberry or whatever you like. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the US track and field team. Isn't that great? So go to built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off of your next order. That's promo code LOCK15 over at built.com.
All right, welcome back to the Locked On Panthers, Locked On Senators. We'll call it the Snowbird Special, as we know lots of Sens fans go down to spend their winters in Florida. I'm with Armando. And Armando, I got to ask you about the Cats. We're a goalie-friendly show at Locked On Senators, and that, I think, is the most interesting part from an outsider's perspective of this Panthers season because we saw Spencer Knight come in and look sick at the end of the season. He's been a top prospect for a couple of years now, but... You know, money, money talks in the NHL and you've got Sergei Bobrovsky locked up to what? Six more years, five more years at $10 million. Yeah. So who's going to play more games in goal for the Panthers this year? And let's say what the fans want, but also realistically. The fans, it's, it's an easy answer for the fan perspective. They want Spencer Knight there. A lot of the fans have just grown so impatient with Sergei Bobrovsky and they're not even getting close to the performance of what he was in Columbus. However, we got a few answers yesterday, well, two days ago, because this is dropping on a Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday on my end. They, we got a little bit of answers when Joe Quenville joined the Athletic Hockey Show with Ian Mendez and Haley Salvia. Oh, nice. About- Ian Mendez and Haley, both friends of the show. They're, yeah. they're great people. Yeah, so he talked a little bit about that, the goalie situation between uh, Spencer Knight and Sergey um, Sergey Bobrovsky and, he, and his plan was something that I kind of predicted a little bit uh, over the summer is the plan is to give Sergey Bobrovsky the majority of the starts you gave him that big contract he is the older guy he is the two-time Vesna trophy winner while uh, Spencer Knight is the young, young and upcoming guy still on his ELC just 20 years old so the Unde- plan, undefeated right at the NHL level in the regular season one and one in yes. the postseason yes there you go so the, the plan is to give right now Sergey Bobrovsky the majority of the starts. Will will it be like that later on in the season? I'm not quite so sure. So the, I'm anticipating when the Florida Panthers open the season against the Pittsburgh Penguins on October 14th that Sergey Bobrovsky will be the opening night starter. Uh, I, I don't think his performance could get any worse from year one under Joe Quenville and under that new contract and something I touched uh, a lot on the show year two was a lot of improvement the the defensive core around him also improved as well putting a lot less pressure on Sergey Borowski but there was a lot of those uh goals that he would get from the shoot from the point and and I I say oh how, how did that get past Borowski and um and then you insert Spencer Knight there there the the movement the movement is different his his ability to read read shots was a lot different I mean the the sample size is also very small and and also what I like most about Spencer Knight is he is he takes constructive criticism very well he's he's still very he still very much wants to learn he's played in the prospect tournament just uh last week for for the Cats and he talked about it doesn't matter whether it's he's in Boston College what doesn't matter whether he's in game five and six of the first round he it's hockey at the end of the day and he he goes into that mindset every day that he needs to play his best and that's a great mindset you want to have at, from a uh 13th overall pick from the 2019 draft that you have there and if if i had to predict um sergey Bobrovsky is going to be the opening night starter for the florida panthers on october 14th against the pittsburgh penguins whether he keeps the majority of the starts Mm, I don't know. His only uh, goal in that very first game was a power play goal that he gave up in, in, in his debut against Columbus. And when he was inserted in, in game five of the first round, just there, just a spark showed up on, on the, on that team. And the energy was just a lot different. And 
of course, when you have a, um, a, a Vesna Trophy winner in Andre Vasilevsky at the on the other end, who still has five straight series clinching shutouts, uh, dating back to uh, the first Stanley Cup run against uh, Dallas, the it was just too much for the Florida Panthers to overcome. Um, and but the my but to answer your question, I think Sergey Bobrovsky. The plan is 60-40, but will it stay there? I think it's going to get somewhere closer to 50-50, especially with an Olympic break coming up in uh, early February. Yeah, that'll be interesting. You got to think Bobrovsky has an inside track with uh, to be on Team Rush, although Vasilevsky, no doubt, going to be the starter there. Um, again, we got to stick to you know what we do in the Ottawa and, and Sens Central. And man, how about Ottawa native Mackenzie Weger? Is he becoming a fan favorite there or what? His numbers just jump off the page. Uh, Mackenzie Weger, he was a uh, he wasn't a finalist for the Norris, but he got some Norris votes uh, uh, this past this past season. And his, uh, his he's a seventh round pick for for the Cats. Uh, found his way up to the first uh, defensive pairing. Uh, Bill Zito, one of the very first things that he did when he first took the job for the Florida Panthers in the 2020 offseason was sign Mackenzie Weger to a very team friendly contract. Uh, around like 3.2, uh, 3.5 uh, million for, for three years on, on the contract. And now he's a top pairing defenseman, got Norse Trophy uh, votes. Right, as of right now, with the buyout of Keith Yandel, it looks like that he's going to be the new quarterback on the power play with Keith Yandel being bought out and now in Philadelphia. So now it looks like that the Mackenzie Weger is going to lead the way on the power play for the Florida Panthers. And him and Ekblad were just playing so well together. Even when Aaron Ekblad went down, um, the the play the play of Mackenzie Weger still was there. Um, a, another defenseman uh, honorable mention is Gus Forsling, who they the Florida Panthers made sure they protected in the expansion draft after buying out uh, Keith Yandel, uh, claimed him off waivers from the Carolina Hurricanes uh, last offseason. and he's been uh, he's been another one that a lot of. Uh, Florida Panthers life, but Ottawa native uh, Mackenzie Weger. Now he has also the the flow, the the hair flow to him. Uh, he he's gotten that uh, signature look, and and fans love him, uh, and they love that pairing of Ekblad and um, and Weger. And it's great to have Aaron Ekblad back as well. I was gonna say it's not often you see two right shot defense and play on the same pair, especially you know it's a rare commodity for to have two that are that good as well. It uh, man, the cats are, are looking sharp. One of the guys they added too, Matt Kierstead, uh, out of the University of North Dakota, a place where Sens fans watch very closely. Ottawa had four prospects at Nodak last year, and all of them either first or second rounders. So we were uh, definitely keeping our eye on there. And man, Matt Kierstead was paired with. Jacob Bernard Docker, who's going to make his Sens debut, or he made his Sens debut rather just last spring. So he's a guy who I think could jump in the lineup as a lefty and kind of give you like a poor man's Keith Yandel in terms of being a power play asset and that sort of thing. So that's on the back end. Like you look up front and last year, it felt like they lost so many goals with Dadanov and, um, and with Hoffman moving on. But then Talk about a guy who made it made the most of another opportunity. I couldn't believe when Ottawa didn't uh, even qualify Anthony Duclair. Like, what's this guy bring to the team? And how happy are you that they ended up locking him up? Yeah, Anthony Duclair has had a hard time uh, keeping in one place long term. He had one of his uh, career years in Ottawa the the year before. It's funny. There's a lot of uh, correlations between uh, Ottawa and uh, Florida with for, uh, former Ottawa Senator uh, Matt, Mike Hoffman. 
uh, of getting down and off originally signing with uh, Ottawa and then being traded to Vegas. And now, and now with uh, Anthony Duclair uh, here, it's just, he ended, he started off on the top line for the cats uh, last year with Barkoff and Verhage and then mixed and matched once the Florida Panthers got uh, Sam Bennett in the trade deadline uh, last year with Calgary, that line of Jonathan Huberto, Sam Bennett and Anthony Duclair kept scoring at will. And there was a point where I, I don't, um, there was a point where Anthony Duclair had 14 points in 17 games. There was a stretch where he got off to a little bit of a rough start. There were so many times where he was just going on an odd man rush and he was just beating people with his speed, but just not being able to convert on goals and not being able to finish. But I've seen more times as the season has gone on that Anthony Duclair has been able to finish. And one thing that we've seen in one preseason game is Anthony Duclair is also being more aggressive when it comes to his one one-timer shots from the right side as well he scored uh the other day in a split squad uh preseason game against Nashville so that's one and we saw multiple attempts from Duclair as well so he's he's being definitely more aggressive Bill Zito uh believes in him and he gave him a, a pretty decent contract so now Anthony Duclair really for the first time in his career uh has has some stability he he knows that he's getting his money and he knows that he gets some term there so i'm really happy for a guy like anthony duclair yeah that's awesome we're happy for him as well like people thought that he was going to make ottawa his long term home and obviously things didn't work out but glad to see him land on his feet especially after he decided to negotiate that free agent contract by himself you weren't sure and then he he wasn't signed for so long so good on him and I don't know, man. I, I think this Cats team could could be at the top of the division, although there's so much. Like, how much are you worried about not only your interstate rival in Tampa, but getting back to the Torontos, the Bostons, and those guys of the world? Like, do, do the Cats play the, the Bruins well? Like, how, how do the Cats stack up? I, I think the I think the Bruins lost a little bit of a of a step uh, th- this year with losing David Krejci uh, to the, to the Czech Republic uh, this year. They are getting a little older. They're a little on the older side. Toronto is you could flip a coin with Toronto. Uh, last before the COVID shutdown, uh, the Florida Panthers uh, were neck and neck with the Toronto Maple Leafs. They were chasing them for the wild card spot before the COVID shutdown, but a lot of turnover has happened in between then. So these are just not the two, the same teams from a few years ago. So when you don't face an opponent for that long, you just don't know. And, mm-hmm. and, and Tampa Bay, they, they won the series season series against them in the regular season, in the regular season, they got the home ice advantage where they played two regular season games to end the season before setting up that first round series. So the blood, bad blood between these two teams were starting to build up before they even played game one of the series. And then of course, Kucherov returns, Stamkos returns. You, you, you know, um, of course we don't, we can argue all the LTIR stuff all we want, but that's irrelevant, honestly, at this point. And, but with, with how they just stacked up against Tampa Bay, they lost the whole third line, uh, Tampa Bay. So a lot of the fourth liners are coming up uh, to go on the third. A lot of their prospects are coming up to the third. So there could be a little bit of growing pains for the Tampa Bay Lightning on the bottom part of their roster. We don't know how long uh, Steven Stamkos is going to stay on the Tampa Bay Lightning as uh, as sometimes it's hard for him to stay healthy. Uh, Braden Point just got extended for the Tampa Bay Lightning as well. And... I think in the regular season, I'm not going to make any playoff predictions at this point in time. I'll wait till till that goes on. 
but I think they'll definitely uh, be, um, be challenging each other really into the regular season. They could split the season series. Uh, they could very well split the season series and they have an early test in just their third game of the season in Amelie arena. Oh, that'll be awesome. Much watch TV after a great series between those two teams back and forth, tons of action. Do you prefer when Barkov and Huberto play together or do you prefer splitting up the wealth on two lines? I, 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 when, if you have to make in-game adjustments and things aren't going your way, put them on the top pair, like starting in, like later into the game or in the, in the third period. Uh, but as far as spreading the wealth, uh, Bob Bugner tried that before, before he got let go. And then Joe Quenville decided to make the bold, uh, bold move of splitting them. Uh, at first, when Alex Weinberg was here with uh, the Cats uh, in signing a one-year contract here, there's a lot of questions on whether uh, they could, uh, they should be split. But the, the production between both of them just did not, did not uh, dissipate. Barkov was still scoring. Kuberto was still finding a way to make just some beautiful passes. He had a, a beautiful pass in overtime against uh, against Nashville in overtime the other day. Uh, a beautiful pass to Sam Bennett. And now Sam Bennett seems to be his uh, running mate on that second line uh, going into this season. They're still together on the power play. Uh, who it, lo it, it looks like that him, Huberto, uh, Reinhardt are going to be on the power play together along with Ekblad and Uyghur. At, at this point in time, things can change. But I, I really do like that they're spreading the wealth. They're they're definitely putting more balance into the lineup. And I, I like I like Carter Verhage on that first line on the left wing. Uh, Carter Verhage didn't um, really get too much playing time in his in the 2020 um, season with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And when you're when you're Stanley Cup champion. Um, there's sometimes going to be not room for um, roster spot on on your team, and some guys are going to have to walk. They you saw even with this season, with this off season with the Tampa Bay Lightning with uh, Blake Coleman and Yanni Gord, and even trading away uh, Tyler Johnson um, and the previous off season with uh, Carter Verhage and Florida reaped the benefit of that. And him and Barkov just find a way to uh, work together really well, even in their uh, press conference. After their first game of the, after excuse me, their second game of the doubleheader, um, Verhage and uh, Sam Reinhardt stood side to side in the podium. It's like, oh yeah, uh, talking about how great Barkov is. Like, yeah, I'm used to it. This guy's got to get used to it too. So there's confidence there between that first line. And as of right now, the that first line of Verhage, Barkov, and Reinhardt is just it. It, it looks like that they like being together. And if that means Huberto being on the second line and still getting along with the likes of uh, Sam Bennett, or even, I, I don't know who's going to be on the right wing right now. I hope it's Owen Tippett, but even if Anthony Duclair is there for a little bit, um, I, I wouldn't mind that as well be, because they're, they're, they seem to be getting along with each line mate this, despite it being first or second line. Nice. Good stuff. Uh, final question for me when it comes to the Panthers and I'm just going through their offseason moves and I completely forgot about Joe Thornton. Where does Jumbo fit into this whole mapped out? Um, somewhere in the bottom six. Uh, I, I believe he could be uh, either the, the third line center to start start the season or fourth. I, I do not want I, one thing I do not want is I do not want Joe Thornton and Patrick Hornquist on the same line because of the speed factor of it. So I think one would have to be on the third line and one would have to be on the fourth, either or you mix and match however you want. And I, I've talked a little bit on the show how it could uh, 
not ruin is the wrong word. It could hold back a little bit of uh, whether Anton Lundell makes the NHL roster at this point in time. But right now, also Anton Lundell is hurt. He hasn't he hasn't been at training camp at all, so he might start in the AHL as far as to get some warm up starts and to get his feet wet um, as he's coming over to the U.S. for the first time. So he might start off there before he eventually making his way to the NHL roster. We're going to see him sometime this season. We don't know when, but I think Joe Thornton, uh, Joe Thornton it fits really well in this roster. He's likely going to be on that third line with uh, Frank Vitrano um, on the left wing, who's on his final year of his contract before being a UFA next year. And it's, it looks like it's going to be, like I said, of, of the second line with either Owen Tippett there or Anthony Duclair. So it looks like it's, at this point in time, if I had to predict, it was it's going to be Jumbo Joe on the third line center, Frank Vitrano on the left wing on that one, and either uh, Duclair or Tippett as that uh, on the right wing on that one. Yeah, I think the Leafs learned uh, the hard way that you have to surround Joe Thornton with a ton of speed at this point in his career. The vision's not going anywhere. One of the best passers in NHL history, but makes sense that you don't want to have him and Hornquist together, although both good players, but you know, maybe not the most speedy. And uh, I think that's something that this division has an abundance of. There's so much speed up and down you go through. I'm going to say this, is the probably top to bottom. Uh, again, if I'm going to have a hot take, can't say maybe this is top to bottom, the most talented division in the national hockey league. And coming up, we're going to give our expectation meter for both the cats and senators. Keep it locked on Panthers. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use that promo code. NFL 100. From football, basketball, boxing, hockey, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Use the promo code Locked On. All right, we're back on the Locked On Florida Panthers and the Locked On. Ottawa Senators uh, podcast. In this last segment, we're going to talk about our expectations for where each team will finish in this 2021-2022 season. We talked a little bit about in the first segment about Ottawa's rebuild being over, but Ross um, clarified Pierre Dorian's comments because not really well with the press. So the teardown (laughs) part is over. Yeah. So as far as finish in the division, you teased in the end of the second segment how this is top to bottom, the best division in the NHL this year. Where does Ottawa finish in this year? Well, so you're talking about a team who finished last in the Atlantic uh, division when we last had it. Um, that being said, I think that it was a big confidence booster. I mentioned they finished off last season with 10 wins in their last 13 games, and that actually pushed them ahead of Vancouver in the North division. So they didn't finish last in what many again last year called the toughest division in hockey in terms of how tight the teams were. Maybe there were more skilled ones, but at the same time, you're looking at going back to the Atlantic and Holy, the Buffalo Sabres, like talk about a tire fire, especially in goal. And like Craig Anderson's the greatest goalie in sense history. That guy was an absolute star. I know he, he played games in Florida at the start of his mm-hmm. career as well, but 
Um, Craig Anderson is not what he used to be. He's 42 years old, and it looks like he and Aaron Dell are going to split games. So if I'm Buffalo, I'm already starting to get fired up about the potential of having Shane Wright, the projected first overall pick. So put them in a different category. Doesn't it feel like deja vu? They do this every two years, drafting first overall in 2018 and then in 2016, losing out on the Austin Matthews sweepstakes, getting, um, or sorry, in 2015, or wait, yeah, 2015, losing out on Connor McDavid, McDavid. And, and getting Jack Eichel instead, even though Connor McDavid just played down the road in Erie in junior. So that must have been a, a kick in the teeth for them. So Buffalo to me is is dead last, and it's going to be by a wide margin there. Now, I think Detroit is about a year behind Ottawa in their rebuild, which makes sense because Ottawa's first high pick in the rebuild was in 2018. And for the Detroit Red Wings, their first high pick was in 2019 when they took Maurice Sider. Uh, seemingly off the board pick at the time, but now he looks like he's a bonafide stud in the making. So um, with with them coming up, I'd say a year behind, although Nadelkovich might speed things along. He had a great year last with Carolina, but uh, is the defensive structure going to be the same in Detroit as we saw in Carolina with Slavin and and Hamilton and Pesci and so much talent on the back end in in Carolina. So uh, I think that's going to be a a good question mark in goal for, for the Red Wings. And up front, like they have absolutely nothing going on. So I see Ottawa at least above those two teams. And Ottawa plays Montreal well all the time. Ottawa went 6-3-1 and one against Montreal this past season. And there just seems to be that je ne sais quoi, pardon my French. But every time they play together, it, it seems like, you know, Brady Kachuk, again, was passed over by the Habs, third overall. They took Jesperi Kotkaniemi, who, well, it's funny, we just mentioned Carolina there, but that was always a fun talking point between Sens and Habs fans because Brady scored three overtime goals already against Montreal in his short career. He's fought Shea Weber. He's Every time he plays Montreal, he knows that they passed on drafting him. So I think that that's a, that's a fun storyline, and, um, you know, you've got some – some other fun ones there. Of course, the two playoff series, Ottawa dominated Montreal in 2013, five games, and it wasn't even close. And then in 2015, the Habs beat Ottawa in the playoffs. So there's some animosity. The two cities are an hour and a half drive away from each other. So just down the street. So I, I see those games as all toss-ups. And the Habs, man, like obviously they got Carey Price as the X factor, but I could see Ottawa sneaking ahead of them. But it's pretty clear cut above that. Like they don't have the high end talent that Boston has right now. And your Bergeron's and your Pasternak's and your Marshall, they're hoping to get there one day. And, and Charlie McAvoy should always be mentioned in that sense. He's an absolute talent. So I don't think that they're on that level. Although I think Boston did take a step back when you, when you're trading out Rask for Ulmark and that's a, that's a pretty big uh, swing for, for Don Sweeney and, and the Bruins. Although it sounds like Rask wants to come back. I don't know how that's all going to, work there so i think boston's probably for me in that range where where they could be in a challenge for that third and final playoff spot obviously the wild card separate but just if we're talking divisionally and then to me here's the real question armando i want to get your take on this before i finish up mine like are we due for a lightning cup hangover these guys are celebrating two cups this off season like i don't know if they're going to be in the gym as hard as all the other teams no i want to believe it uh, no, they're they're just so I, stacked. I, 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 I want to. They find a way. They find a way to reload. But I know. Um, I mean, Pittsburgh took a little bit of a fall, winning back to back. But they're still they're still around and they're still winning. But okay, I'm glad you mentioned that though, because they had a similar situation where it was that Kessel Benino Hornquist line, right? That mm-hmm. was or Haglin, sorry, Haglin Benino and Kessel line, and similarly to that, 
Tampa lost their entire third line, the best third line in hockey with Coleman, Goodrow, and, and Gord. So I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm not willing to say that they're not going to finish first, but there would be good reason for them to take a step back just based on how much hockey they've played versus like they've played almost as many playoff games the last two years as Ottawa's played since the pandemic started, right? Because Ottawa wasn't in the bubble, didn't make playoffs either time. Ottawa's played 56 games. Tampa's played what 40 playoff games like that, that. When you put those two together, like at some point, don't the, don't they have to get a little tired? Especially two Stanley cups in 10 months. Like that, yeah. that's a lot of hockey. Of course there was a long break in between, but the off season was short in between. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of my only question mark with Tampa. Otherwise, I mean, just give them the division banner may as well raise it when they raise the Stanley cup banner for this year as well. But yeah, to me, the interesting part is Toronto and Florida. Like those two teams may be battling it out for who gets home ice in a potential playoff series between those two teams. And the last two years, I've been the, the radio producer with TSN 1050 doing Leafs games and just getting to see the, the wild ride of emotion that the Leaf fans go through, you know, game in and game out throughout the regular season. They'll win 5-1 and the fans will be like, who cares? Show me in the playoffs. Like there is such a disdain for what's happened over the last 17 years 2004 the last time they advanced past the first round so uh you know as a sense fan i'm I'm very happy to point that out for you but (laughs) it's it's a completely strange vibe around the toronto maple leafs and one where it's it's almost like as the street gets longer everyone's gripping their stick a little tighter right awesome matthews is about to be 23 years old and he still hasn't gotten out of the first round he's a hell of a talent Mitch Marner has one goal in his last 17 playoff games. Like that's that you're not going to win with guys making over 10 million who are putting up that lackadaisical performance in in the postseason. So, you know, I think Toronto in the regular season, they're still going to be a good team. Although I do think losing Freddie Anderson's a bit of a step back. I was never a huge Freddie Anderson fan, bad goals at bad times, but they replaced him with Peter Mrazek. And like, can Jack Campbell be an everyday starter? I'm still uh, out on that one. So you know what? For for pure prediction's sake, I'll go Tampa one, Florida two, Boston, and Toronto. I'll, I'll go Toronto. You know, I was gonna have some fun at, at the Leafs' expense, but they they are a really solid team on paper as well. Although losing Zach Hyman's a pretty big loss up front. They're gonna try to replace him by committee, but I'll say Toronto third, and then I'll say uh, Boston's gonna be fighting for the wild card with with Toronto with Montreal, and I'll mix Ottawa as a team that is going to be competitive into the final 20 games. And that's all you can ask at this stage in the in the build, we'll call it, right? We don't say rebuild anymore, but in this stage of the build, if they can be competitive and make their players go into these late season games being like, okay, let's do it. And not like the Hamburglar run. 2015, Ottawa went 21-2 and two to make the playoffs on the last game of the season. I'm not talking like that. I'm talking more so, you know, you've given yourself a chance. And I think for a Sens fan, if, if you're seeing the individual growth, then that sort of a season would be acceptable. Absolutely. And you mentioned uh, you met, one thing I, one thing that you touched on, especially with uh, Toronto is that they're paying so many guys uh, in on one line with uh, Tavares, uh, Matthews and Marner and one goal in 17 uh, playoff games is just not going to do it. Jack Campbell went on a little bit of a run uh, um, last year and that, that fell off a little bit. Uh, Mrazek has had a little bit of injury issues along with Freddie Anderson too. So there there's been, there's been some issues there. So as, as far as 
the Panthers, when they, they, they did finish ahead of the Lightning last year in the standings as far as regular season, but that was without Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov there. And you asked me the question earlier in the segment, talking about do, is there going to be a cup hangover for the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning? And I said, I hope so. But I also think that the Tampa Bay Lightning just – they're all about the postseason. That's what they're all about. Just like the Toronto Maple Leafs. There's only two teams in the NHL who haven't won a playoff series since the lockout of 04-05. And that's the Florida Panthers is one of them and the Toronto Maple Leafs in the other. And how crazy would that be if they faced in, in the playoffs in, uh, in uh, the, this year? That one, something's got to give. So as far as I'm going to go in reverse order for, uh, for the standings. I think it's going to be Buffalo 8th, Detroit 7th, Ottawa 6th. I'm going to say Montreal fifth. I'm going to say Boston fourth, Toronto third. And I'm going to say Tampa second. And with the Florida Panthers, this could sounds biased. This might sound biased, but I think they're going to win the division. And here's why I think the Tampa Bay lightning will not take the regular season as seriously as the Florida Panthers, the Florida Panthers want home ice against the, the Tampa Bay lightning. They made sure that they got, home ice against the Tampa Bay Lightning. They didn't win the series against Tampa Bay, but that's one thing that they're going to be fighting for. They, they're, going to, they're going to want to get any advantage they can. They're still trying to get over that hump of not winning, not winning a series since 1996, seeing that the, the, that the hockey in the Southeast is growing, especially now um, with uh, Nashville making the Stanley Cup final a few years ago. Carolina is still relevant, making the Eastern Conference final a few few years ago, and still uh, Carolina is still being relevant in the in the NHL despite a lot of questionable offseason moves. They're still and they want to be part of that mix. They want to be they want to make sure that they get that playoff series win. And an advantage that they can get at any point is to try to win that division at all costs. And I think that the Florida Panthers are going to go for it. They gave up. Uh, uh, a first and second round pick in these uh, next uh, in the next draft, but it, via the trades of Sam Bennett and Sam Reinhart, two def- two separate uh, trades. So I think that the Florida Panthers are going to go all in with trying to win the division. Yeah, as they should, man. They've got the talent to do it. Um, you think that's a realistic opportunity for them this year? Absolutely. And if they don't win the division, um, and Tampa Bay gets a, a point, um, they get uh, they get. Uh, ahead of them it might be by like a point or two because uh tampa bay will be at uh full strength more with uh kucherov and stamp goes back so though th- there's that factor of it but when we when the florida panthers did uh did go ahead of the tampa bay lightning it was without those guys but let, like you said could be a stanley back-to-back stanley cup hangover that they just might not the tampa bay not, lightning might just not take the regular season as seriously as they have when they were going on their cup runs yeah i like it man i'm i'm hoping for the best because that arena gets loud when it gets full but it's just a matter of getting there hey uh, on that note man do the panthers have the worst tv broadcast angle in the league what it's do you mean so that? it's so low to the ice man you know what uh, I mean? Yeah, it's like uh, it's like they're broadcasting from the tenth row in the one hundreds. Yeah, uh, you don't. It's funny because you don't really see the crowd uh, behind them, and I think uh, right. Maybe I don't know if that's on purpose or not, but uh, I, I don't. I don't know. Uh, I, I see the ice very well, but as far as like things around it, uh, not not so much. Um, but yeah, 
I, I, I don't have an answer as whether it's the worst or not, but it's not the best. I'll say that. Yeah, fair enough. Well, hey, hopefully both teams can uh, get off to a great start and get their building uh, packed because there's nothing better than, you know, the live atmosphere of a hockey game when, when the whole market is, is truly involved. So, hey, we're looking forward to that for sure. For sure. And I'm looking forward to uh, definitely uh, getting back together with you and hopefully Brandon uh, next time uh, when the Florida Panthers and Ottawa Senators uh, definitely uh, face off against each other this year. So this should be a fun one. So uh, for my listeners, uh, tell them where they could follow you online, uh, your co-host and your uh, and your show. Yeah, for sure. Pillsy's just driving across Canada right now. So um, you can follow him, Brandon Pillar One. I'm at Ross Levitan and then the show is at Sends central and uh we're just on youtube now so you can go check us out locked on senators on youtube and and these guys are rock stars uh they they usually have the most downloads of the locked on podcast network they uh doesn't matter where uh your record is just putting quality work and ross and brandon just put outstanding work they bring in multiple prospects uh to the show many uh players on the nhl level as well so Great stuff for uh, Brandon and Ross. Keep it up, guys. And for the Senators uh, listeners, uh, you can find me on Twitter at MondoMan12. Follow the show account at LO underscore FLA Panthers and anywhere you listen to podcasts. So I want to thank you again, uh, Ross, for joining me on this episode of Locked On Panthers and Locked On Senators. Armando, it's been great to, to get to chat with you. Keep pumping the tires of all those former Senators there, the Duclairs and Ottawa native Mackenzie Weger, man. People are, are interested in those guys up north and uh, yeah, keep up the great work yourself, and we're looking forward. Are you making the debut on YouTube soon? Like, what's going on? I got to get a better background before I uh, get there, so <laughs> working on it. So. All right, all right, cool, cool. Yeah, it was great to meet you. Thanks for having me, man. Awesome. Thank you so much. So if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast so you'll be notified every single time the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast jumps into your podcast feed. Thank you for making Locked On Panthers your first listen of the day. And for your second listen of the day and third, make sure to listen to the Locked On NHL podcast and the Crosscheck NHL podcast where they'll be covering all the preseason activities around the National Hockey League. And when you're done listening to this episode of Locked On Panthers, make sure to listen to today's episode of Locked On Bets. Betting on the NHL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, Wrong team favorite picks and lead Sterling's lock of the day. Follow Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by BetOnline.ag, wherever you get podcasts. So I'm Armando Velez with Ross Lepitan, and you've been listening to Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day.